Hey guys, so it's been a while, and today I want to talk about how to protect your business, or should I say how to protect your um, photography or design services. And um, I'm not sure if everyone knows, but apart from the architectural interiors and still life product photography that I do, I do design work for a lot of the brands I work with, um, creating packaging, um, and uh like brochures and and so forth and um so today um well actually this happened maybe two weeks ago where a client of uh that asked us to photograph um their products asked us to may also quote them for brochure work and i did and they called us up to meet in person, so I'm 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 assuming that the quote is quite in the ballpark of what they were looking for. But when we met in person, the first thing that you know they they described basically the idea they had in mind, and the first thing that came out of his of his mouth was, "Oh well, certainly it's something something simple like that doesn't need to cost as much as what you quoted," and you know. It's, when I hear something like that, right off the bat, I know this is not a good client because um, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't consider my my services to be expensive at all. And when when a client finds my services really really expensive, um, like he was kind of um, hinting. Uh, <laughs> I consider those clients to be really, really cheap, and I don't want to focus. I'm not trying to, you know, target this particular client, um, but you know, and obviously, you're going to run into clients where they always want to ask for a discount or a deal or whatever. But I'm, uh, I, I think that you know, one one thing that I kind of stand ground on is. Um, I don't really offer discounts. Um, you know, what's the point of you asking me for an estimate? And then I don't see how I can apply a discount, you know, unless maybe a, 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 a client would suggest that, oh, well, basically we have a lot of this kind of work coming up and we could assign this all to you if the price was right. And I don't really even consider a discount. That's more like a package pricing. But, you know, if if not in that scenario where it's just a quote for a particular job, um, you know, telling me to give you a discount is basically you t- telling me that I'm not worth the price that I, th- I believe in. And, you know, it's also kind of disrespectful. Um, and I think that, you know, while they have the right to choose the right person suitable for the work they're looking for you know we as the photographers or the or the designers have also the right to reject particular work um, or the working conditions we're working for so the other thing that was kind of um worth mentioning about was they they actually asked for the working files like the the project files of the design and i just simply told them hey sorry i'm in the business of selling a design and not selling a template 
And basically, I also told them, well, if I sold you a template, basically, you will have something to produce the next menu for nothing. So while I can sell you a template, but it's not going to be the same price as me selling you a design, and it and most likely will be in multiples of what I quoted you for. Um, and of course, in when I say that, I also mean that in in a reasonable price, because I mean, like how they're trying to save a buck, I'm trying to protect my business as well. I mean, if you're going to be using my template for next four or five years, obviously I have the right to charge you a little bit more for it. It's just like licensing for photography, right? So what a lot of these clients don't understand well you're you're selling me the same work so why are you charging me more but they don't understand well it's also because i'm losing um potential gains right for for future business um from from that client so i think when it comes to like i used to think uh well if i if i've applied like a licensing fee or something like what i just mentioned about the design um you know that's gonna scare off a lot of clients but i think on the other hand we as photographers it's really important for us to protect um our business in a way where we're not getting screwed where we're commissioned to do one job and then they get to um you know gain from it for several years so i think the other thing too is you know our business is getting more and more competitive throughout the years and i started out in video um back in like 2003 and 4 and when i switched over to photography in 2009 um even at that point, the business was evolving quite rapidly and it was getting more and more competitive. I think the point where it got really competitive was when the 5D Mark II came out and people really started to see how digital photography and video is coming about and and how they could start relying on these smaller cameras to produce like really really high quality video and 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 stills and um i and i think you know at in 2019 the situation has only worsened where you know i i sometimes clients would come and compare my estimates to some kid with a speed light and an and entry level DSLR. And sometimes, you know, the, you know, some of you that are listening may say, well, then maybe you have a crappy, you know, portfolio. But, you know, and that may be. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, um, some clients don't even look at portfolios. And, you know, I've, and those are like the crappy clients, honestly. I think that. Um, some sometimes because social media is growing so rapidly, and, and clients, you know, the need for such uh, media like fo- photos and videos and designs, um, you know, that that growth is 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 growing rapidly, and and demand for these things are um, occurring a lot lot quicker too. So basically. 
the for them, I think business hasn't been easier. Even though, you know, a lot of people sell things online now, and it seems like, well, you know, you can sell things overseas a lot easier than you did maybe 20 years ago. But in theory, I think the cost of running a business is, is, is a lot more expensive than it used to be, too. But so they're trying to, you know, find better ways to, to, to save. And often we are at the end of,、uh, at the other end of that scale. And、um, we're the ones, you know, end up getting sacrificed. But the thing is, they're always looking for a quick, easy solution. Now, if you're a pro- photographer or designer that don't mind,、um, You know, being categorized as a producer of quick and easy solutions, then, you know, by all means, go ahead. But I think most photographers and designers are somehow artists of some sort. And they are in the business of not just making profit for their work,、um, or just, or should I say, They're not, their intent is not just to generate profit from their work, but also, you know, there's a level of satisfaction from being appreciated for what they consider to be good work, right? And that's one thing that I try to avoid when it comes to,、um, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm choosing clients because, quite frankly, You know, most nine out of ten times it's, it's the client that chooses the photographer, right? And, and you know, who am I to, 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 to say, oh, well, your brand's not good enough for me? But it, I also look at the attitude or the respect that I get from a particular client because, you know, just because you're paying my bills or paying my salary, or should I say,、um, doesn't mean that I need to. Bend over and let you disrespect the work that I do. And I don't, I, I, I'm not trying to say this in a very cocky fashion, but I just think that, you know, quite frankly, if I was just merely in this business to、um, make a quick profit, I'd probably not choose photography because it's not an easy industry, right? And I'd just probably go work in real estate or go work in finance where I can make you know, a lot better money.、Um, but you know, my suggestion is, and I know a lot of experienced photographers where you know, they probably know this point and you know, they've been heading this direction a long time ago. Um, streamline your business.、Uh, streamline your business to a point where you're focused on not just the work you do,、um, but work that you want to do. And also streamline your business so that you target the clientele that you want to cater to. Now, this can be, you know, in several, di- like, you know, I, I don't think this necessarily means that you have to be very um, um, particular and focused on, on certain things. Like, I mean, some people may say, well, I want to be a photographer that shoots all sorts of things, like, you know, product photographer, event photographer, architectural photographer,、uh, wedding photographer, baby photographer, whatever. And if that's how you want to situate yourself in the industry, that's fine.、Uh, 
Um, but mind you, the more diverse you get, the more diverse your clientele will be, and the more um, diverse <laughs> the you know the clients that you will be you will be meeting. So for me, uh, in the last two years, I've been streamlining my business so that basically I I. It's very rare that someone will call up and say, "Hey, I'm from, um, you know, uh, this and that coffee shop, and you know, we want to you to shoot a catalog for us or whatever, uh, or a menu for us." And basically, it's either um, an agency or a production house, a partnering production house, or um, a corporate client. And the reason why I streamlined my business so that I'm just mainly、um, working with these people is because, for me, I feel that、um, advertising agencies or production houses or corporate clients understand the amount of work and the. Certain level of quality that is needed to pull off commercial photography, and that is definitely different from, you know,、um, someone that just needs a couple of nice photos in your menus or some some business that needs some nice photos to be on their social media, and、uh, and not to mention because a lot of these clients they may have. A, a small background in photography themselves, and I'm, I'm talking about the the non corporate or non advertising clients. And so, you know, you're 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 persuading them to pay you a amount, you know, a certain amount of money for things that they think they can do themselves. And sometimes I think that's that's hard. It's like, you know, as it's it's basically saying, oh well, if they can cook very well. Um, you know why should they hire me as a caterer when they can really do it themselves? And sometimes that question should not be asked upon the photographer, but they should really ask themselves. But the thing is, I always also tell my clients that have this、um, inquiry. Um, you know, you're in the business of selling a product or a service. You're not in the business of photography or design, so why would you want to spend so much time trying to save a couple bucks and doing work that I do when you can use that time to, you know, plan better for marketing, plan better for sales, plan better networking, and growing your business? You know. So I think that's a very good point when you're trying to sell a, a particular client too, and and that will be also be a very valid point where they will understand because if they're very serious about the business, they will understand that they can't do everything just because they can. You know what I mean?、Um, like for example, sure, I'm pretty sure. You know, let's just say they own an office. I'm pretty sure the CEO knows how to vacuum too. So does he, you know, go and vacuum the whole office to save a couple bucks? You don't do that. So、um, yeah,、uh, it's it's very important to kind of streamline your business to make sure that 
whichever side of the business that you guys are operating on um, that you're dealing with people that you want to deal with. And um, in my experience today was this guy was a cold caller and he called me up and he said, well, I'm part the reason why I shot these uh, photos for him was because he was part of a um, a, a business group that was that is kind of um, big here in Hong Kong where I operate. And so I kind of felt, well, okay, that's that's fine. I mean, sure, he's a cold caller. He wasn't referred by anyone, but, you know, they belong to a, a, a medium size business group and you know I, I, I want to in, in the beginning I, I did want to work for them because I was hoping that this could um, become a good working relationship uh, but you know things don't work out sometimes and while uh, you know to, to be fair you know maybe they felt the same too because they were expecting me to give them a very very so-called reasonable uh, uh um continuing continuing working rate but you know it's, it's something that i couldn't offer um at least it would be it would be very unfair to my other clients if i did so yeah now, the second part of this podcast I want to talk about was a recent purchase of mine. And um, I recently took the plunge and I sold my uh, 5D Mark IV uh, with my the original 24105, which I bought as a kit. And I replaced it with an EOS USR with the new RF 24105. Now, um, I, you know, I... I, I I, I d- took my time making this d- decision because I really enjoyed shooting with 5D Mark IV. And in between um, 5D Mark IV and the 5D SR, which I used to own, I you know I shot with the Sony and and um, the Sony um, A7 and the Sony A6500. And quite frankly, apart from all the praise it got, I I'm not a Sony person. I still own the A6500. Um, you know, but for me, I wouldn't even use that on a holiday. Like, quite frankly, nowadays, I don't even bring any camera on holiday. But um, for professional uses, I, uh, you know, I've decided to stick with the Canon. And this EOS R is definitely uh, allowing me to, um, or should I say, has actually made me stick with this decision even more because it's such a good camera. Um, you know, 36 megapixels. It has, it has definitely. I think this is the first time Canon has really listened to um, their their clients, their clientele, in a long time. Um, I think ever since 5D Mark II. The 5D Mark III and 5D Mark IV, while there were significant improvements, I I don't think they were really listening that much to to DSLR users, and 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 where you know they lacked a lot of features, which they lost out to um, Sony users. But the EOS R has caught up quite a bit. I mean the. Um, in-body stabilization, the uh, focus peaking, um, just the size of the c- camera. I mean, I'm not the photographer. Uh, some people like really big cameras. I I don't like really big cameras due to weight and the bulkiness. I you know 
two of these EOSR cameras probably is in relevance to the same size of a 1DX Mark II. That's how small it is. And um, not to mention, this new body is not taking a new battery. It's still using the LPE6N, which is, or the LPE6, which is what I've collected quite, <laughs> I've been collecting for quite a, some time since 5D Mark II. And um, that's something I really appreciate from Canon because, quite frankly, for a loyal customer like myself, I, you know, it's it's a pain in the ass to, and we go through a lot of batteries off, uh, uh, obviously, and we own a lot of batteries, right? And if I have to, you know, um, and it's hard, and, and no one's going to buy a secondhand battery, so you're basically throwing out batteries, um, and getting a brand new set if if they if they decide not to use the LP6, and they didn't, and. Well, while the RP does use the LPE17, I think, um, but that's the same battery from the M series, I believe. So, you know, that's 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 a good choice by Canon because, um, first of all, I think it's 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 less costly for them to develop a new battery just for this camera, um, and you know, it's more convenient for the end user. Um, the other thing I really like about the camera is also the electronic viewfinder. Um, I know some people have mixed reviews saying that you know there's a, a bit of a, a lag in the electronic viewfinder, um, especially if you're doing continuous shooting. Um, that doesn't really bother me that much because the work that I do, I'm I'm not going to be bursting, um, um, you know, ten shots per per second or whatever. Uh, I just do, you know, the time. The only time where I'm doing like maybe sixteen to fifty shots per 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 item um, is when I'm doing like focus stacking. And, uh, you know, even with focus stacking, I mean, I'm not bursting. Uh, I'm just shooting um, continuously on, like, you know, every three, four seconds. And, uh, but just for, you know, 20 to 50 shots. And that doesn't really affect, um, the, the lag doesn't really affect what I do. But I can see how, especially if you're coming from um, the 5D or the 1DS, how that, um, how this is a, a, an issue for a lot of sports shooters or action shooters, I should say. Um, and what else do I like? Um, oh, the RF lenses. Uh, first of all, before I go about the quality, the lens build is just superb. Um, you know, even with the latest EF lenses, there are certain lenses, you know, I still find sometimes there, it, it's a bit, uh, what's a good word to describe it? It's just, it feels a bit flimsy. But the RF lenses are just solid. And, you know, um, the feel of the lens is, 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 is definitely you know up there with a lot of the um, higher end lenses, uh, either from Canon or from other manufacturers, and um, I also think the the ring, the uh, customizable ring they have on these RF lenses are a great design too. Um, and mind you, the old EF lenses, for those that don't know, can be adapted onto the EOSR with an adapter that comes with 
the camera. That's another very smart thing I think that Canon has done is you know uh, by、um, supplying the well, it,、uh, I, I think at the mo at the moment it's still like like a promotion, but I think in the long run,、uh, just to get everyone on board with the RF mount, they're gonna have th- this is gonna be a permanent thing where you buy a、um, USR or the RP, it's gonna come with the basic adapter. Now I was kind of tempted to buy the more advanced、um, adapter where it includes a、um, a customizable ring as well. But two reasons why I ended up just sticking with the basic is because the RF adapter, I'm、oh, sorry, the RF lenses already have a customizable、uh, ring, and、um, the other reason being、um, when. Most for what I do, I'm usually、um, either on a tilt shift lens, and, or I am、um, working on a、uh, with the 100 macro, and that customize you know the ability to use that cu-、um, customizable ring is you know although you know I wouldn't mind having it but it's not that useful so I decided to save myself、uh, equivalent to about two hundred U S dollars and、uh, I decided to skip it and if I do find out that I,、uh, you know I really need it in the future I'll just think about buying a second hand one somewhere online but、um, yeah now the only down well for me it's not really a, a a downside but I think a lot of people are also frowning upon that the OSR only has a one single card slot. Now the thing is, I've mentioned this before in a prior episode. The only time I had an issue with、um, file corruption or、um, or things not recording correctly towards、uh, different cards、um, was when I was recording to dual cards on a 5D Mark III. And that only happened once or twice, actually, to be fair. But the only that was the only time. And whenever I used a camera like a 60 or the A6500, which only had a single card slot, I never had such a problem. Touch wood. But you know, so I'm not really、uh, that disappointed that the USR only has a single card slot. And I think that you know, in theory. It kind of makes sense too. Like when you're asking the camera to record to multiple cards, the chances of that、um, screwing up is actually maybe m- m- higher than asking the camera to record to a single card.、Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure if I'm correct on this, but you know, I just think that it's it's it's. It's less complex for the for the for the camera, and so less errors are due to happen.、Um, the other thing I like about the camera,、um, oh, the top LCD, while not a necessity,、um, it's great,、uh, especially for outdoor shooters. It's a lot、uh, easier to. Um, check out your settings and so forth、um, with that top LCD.、Uh, 
Um, th there's a lot more customizable keys, uh, which is great. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm leaving out some stuff because there are certain features that I don't use. So <laughs> I'm probably going to leave out some of the really key things. And I just remembered one. 6,000-ish um, autofocus points. That's ridiculous. And the autofocus on this is like super fast. Um, at least comparing to the 5D Mark IV, um, I think this is probably, the autofocus is probably quite comparable to the 1DS series, um, and, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think, oh, the ability to have dual pixel AF, that's, uh, I mean, I love this since the 5D Mark IV, and I think... I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think they've also corrected that they're now using a different format for the video where it's not, the file size is not as big as the, um, was it the MJPEG that they, they used to call? Um, well, the, the video format they used in 5D Mark IV. That was a really big downside, and a lot of editors complained whenever I used the 5D4 to make video was that, you know, to, to to record like 15 minutes of video you know you have like 100 and so what gigabytes worth of data and um but i think that problem has now been resolved um yeah so there's there's a lot more uh and i just you know <laughs> just check out a YouTube video about the new features and you know if what I'm telling you now is something that interests you you should definitely check it out and you just go out to a Canon shop or a camera store nearby and just try it out you, you'll love it it's it's I mean it's it looks like a very small camera and you know at first you might like myself you know you might say oh well it looks you know, like a toy but once you have it on hand and you look at the actual um, camera I am sure you'll change your mind about that because it's just I mean it's like the a7s I mean it's small but it's very solid um, but mind you though the autofocus I consider Canon's um, dual pixel AF to be a lot um, ac more accurate than the Sony autofocus system um, I've had situations where the Sony camera told me through peaking and whatever where I was spot on and I wasn't, but that rarely happens even with my 5D Mark IV and although I haven't had enough time with the OSR, I'm assuming that things are only better because from the few times I've tried the autofocus, it's been, it's been pretty quick and accurate, yeah. So um, I was actually very tempted to sell my 60 as well to, to get a second uh, EOSR body, but I decided to keep it for two reasons. And I've, I've been telling this to a lot of fellow photographers where the reason why I kept the 60, first of all, I have a, a 60 as a second body and, you know, I well, it's more like a backup body, but... Um, Basically, it's hardly it's been hardly used. I mean, I probably have like three hundred frames on it, but um, you know, it's really hard to find a good full frame DSLR body shooting at twenty megapixels. And sometimes when I do product photography, and especially for clients where I know they want good quality work, but you know, they're they're going to be putting these product shots on their websites as a, like, like catalog shots basically and um and you know they're not going to be needing 
36 megapixels or 50 megapixels you get from a 5DSR or whatever. Um, that's when, you know, shooting with the 6D comes in very convenient and handy. Because, quite frankly, you know, there are, there, there are times where, you know, a big job will come about where, um, you know, a client will request uh you to or or hire you to shoot or should i say hire you to shoot um for you know a lot of a, a, a lot of products and you know the file size can add up quite a bit and i mean i uh, when i when i shoot fashion um uh, we easily go 200 gigabytes worth of raw data um on on a half a day of shooting it's just crazy you know because you know with with fashion shoes you're constantly just bursting right but um yeah and so you know especially if you know like for example like like that particular uh, fashion client or fashion clients in general i should say if if that uh, if the client is not planning to um blow up these images for a billboard or a big poster and you know that you're going to be using it for a, a app let's just say the 60 is more than plenty and quite frankly i mean even for a poster 60 is more than plenty i remember back in the day of a 5d mark one people were using that to shoot for uh, you know posters for for bus stops you know the huge size i don't remember the actual dimensions but you know for people that are used to shooting for print you know you know while the megapixels the resolution is important it's not you know just because you don't have a 50 megapixel or 100 megapixels like the fuji claims that their next camera is going to produce doesn't mean that you can't have a big print because you gotta remember like big prints um you're not looking at at an arm's length distance right you're you're looking from quite far away and you don't really necessarily need to to produce images at 300 dpi and most of the time you're producing i i think for most this is just my preference but for most uh large prints um most people are shooting at like 75 dpi and for like you know if, if you're shooting for like a highway um ad that's like 15 or 25 dpi and you know just to give you an idea and um if you're shooting at you know at at, at these um figures the 60 is more than plenty um so yeah that's that's the other thing too that's why i i i I held off of buying, selling my 60, um, also being because my 60 is in mint condition. Uh, this is my second 60. I had a previous 60, and then this is my second 60 I bought. And like I said, there's only like 300 exposures. So to sell that, and you know, you know, no one's gonna care that it's in mint condition. They're just gonna offer you like a secondhand rate. And where I'll lose a, bit, a few dollars, and you know, to buy a brand new EOSR, it will be quite costly. Um, but you know, meanwhile, it's 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 still my sort of secondary or backup camera, so I don't really gain much from making such a purchase. But what I am anticipating is to wait for the um, upcoming 70 megapixel. Um, 
camera that is rumored to be re uh, released this um, this uh, end of this year or early next year, which will be the the pro version of the USR. Um, you know, when that comes out, I might consider um, shifting towards that as my primary body and then using the OSR as my backup and then selling my 60 probably. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely check out the OSR. I mean, uh, it's about time Canon definitely, like, you know, had to step up their game because they lost, I'm pretty sure they lost quite a bit of the market share to Sony. And now with the new uh fuji gfx uh, 50r they will well i'm I, i'm not sure if that's a big threat to their um five uh 5dsr line but you know definitely from both ends of the market um there are competitors um if if they haven't um beating them in, in competition they're actually, they're definitely chasing up towards it so yeah and that's about it for today I mean, the podcast was a bit longer than i uh, anticipated but anyhow um i hope you know the show was uh, interesting for you all and uh, i'll talk to you soon